CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey folks, we'll talk to Buzz here in just a second, but today's show is brought to you in part by our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Absolutely the best way to support this podcast. You can sign up for as little as $1 a month or as much as $15 a month. And if you sign up at the $15 a month level, get ready. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. We take out all the commercials for you. Plus, you'll also get two post-mortem mini shows recorded after the credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcast. And you'll also get the subscription-only after-party podcast on Fridays with me and Kimberly Johnson with its revealing discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Very well, where do I begin? My father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. My mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. <laughs> My father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy, the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. At the age of 12, I received my first scribe. The age of 14, as a roastery named Vilma, ritualistically shaved my testicles. At the age of 18, I went off to evil medical school. At the age of 25, I took up tap dancing. I wanted to be a quadruple threat, an actor, a dancer. You know, we have to stop. Bob Seska! Eat shit, Bob! The Bob Seska Show! That was uncalled for, John. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, September 8, 2020, and this is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hi, what's up? My name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello. Day 1,328 of the Trump crisis. 56 days until the 2020 presidential election, and indeed, uh, voting has already been underway for a couple days now. Okay, let's bring him in. It's my good friend Buzz Burbank sitting right over there. Hi, Buzz. Yeah, that's just what we're down to just over five Scaramucci's now. 
till election day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I like to keep track of that. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. And uh, we're going to do the show twice today. Uh, once by mail uh-huh. and once in person. <laughs> That's how it should be, right? <laughs> That's what I'm told. Uh, I was briefly, just briefly, worried about uh, Trump's condition mm. over the weekend. I know a lot of people. Now I realize, now I understand that they were just speaking figuratively when they said he'd shot himself in the balls. I really <laughs> didn't. Uh, I, you know, I, I wonder about stuff. I, I wonder, don't we all? Do you, don't you wonder about stuff? I do. I think about these things. I, I wonder about a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, for example, when Trump goes to prison, is he going to have to take one for the team? <laughs> I can't wait. I'm going to sit on the other side of the fence with a lawn chair and a beverage and just laugh and point. That's what I will oh, do. Oh, 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 and here's a, a late-breaking sports score from the playoffs. Yeah. Antifa 6, Proud Boys 1. <laughs> well, uh, Bob and I, I need to inform you now. We need to get out of here early today because we are the official safety inspectors for the Trump boat parades. <laughs> Glug, glug. <laughs> Rocky Mountain Mike. We yes. all came down to Austin with our boats along the shoreline to get reckless with some Trump fans. We did some maritime. So full of crap, yeah, all these mothers. Boats around till some stupids got too drunk and overturned us, and we nearly drowned. Dopes on the water, <laughs> not wired right, these guys. Dopes on the Rocky Mountain Mike. Very nice. I'm, Very I'm, nice. I'm fairly certain he's playing the instruments on that one, too. Oh, I, I can I tell, yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Yeah, he can do He can do a lot of things, that Rocky Mountain Mike. Multi-talented. He can sing. He can dance. He's a triple threat. Is what he <laughs> Just like Dr. Evil. Uh, okay, so where do we get? You know what? I actually, we've seen the pictures. We've seen the pictures of the boats sinking at the uh, Trump boat parade yeah. uh, from Texas the other day. But have we heard the audio yet, Buzz? I don't think we've heard the sound of one of those boats. There was a famous one where you can see the people and they're yelling and they're not wearing right, their life preservers right. and everything like that. But we don't know what that sounds like. And I thought... I I didn't know there were tapes of this audio. I do. I have a tape. I have a tape wow. of one of the boats singing. It's, uh, I would love to hear that. It's quite dramatic and uh-huh. a little, little bit frightening. Yeah. What is that? I don't know what they're saying. They're singing now. There they go. Almost under. <laughs> oh, there they go. Finally. 
Kind of their version of speaking in tongues. Down into the drink they go. Wow. Hey, you know, that's a phrase no one uses anymore, and I think we should repopularize it here on the show, Bob. Oh, sure. Down in the, I love down old in the, timey. In the drink. Yeah. <laughs> in the drink. I love old-timey phrases like that, naturally. Uh, but, uh, no, this is just, uh, it. it's so poetic that uh, Trump supporters would bury themselves. That's just... That that's that's prophetic and poetic. Yeah, and of course, there's lots of conspiracy theories about how their boats were sabotaged and all the rest of it, and how we're being so well, damn cruel for laughing at their misfortune, <laughs> their boat parades. Well, you know, o- Obama and uh, the deep state conspiracy, all those things caused those waves. Yeah, that's right. Obama yeah. went around with one of those old timey corkscrews and just <laughs> drilled little holes in the sides of their boats. <laughs> So uh, we have another issue today with our uh, our connection between you and me. And I'm it, sorry, what? <laughs> you can uh, tell Buzz, little, Buzz's voice sounds a little different today, only because joke. our usual thing that we use to connect each other is not working again for a second week in a row, which I'm going to have well, to type up a strongly worded letter, I swear to yes, God. Yes, absolutely. A letter must go out. But I, you know, I think we sound different to each other. But when I heard the part of the show that we had to use the tin cans and the string, uh, <laughs> like we're doing today, right. uh, it sound it sounded pretty good. I don't think most people will notice the difference. So let's let's never speak of this again. It makes me crazy, only because <laughs> here we are. I've been using the internet actively on a day to day basis since 1997. I've been using Skype for the last 10 years, and I swear to God, the technology has not improved at (laughs) all in 10 years. That's a massive span of time when you're talking about Moore's Law. Even iPhone at least improved the camera, even if they never improved the phone. You'd think that they would improve some aspect of Skype, but no, it's the same funny little service it's always been well what happens is they're constantly changing we see this on facebook all the time every time i log into facebook it's asking me if i want to see the new version of facebook and of course i was gonna no no No, stop stop changing yeah i always say no i always resist i always wait until they they go the beta is available if you like no no i really wouldn't i want to say and until the day comes that they force me to change it i like to say happy birthday to my facebook friends every single day i've been doing this yeah for years, everybody who has a birthday every day, uh, pretty much gets a greeting from me. And if I miss, uh, if, if I miss a day for some reason, I go back and wish a belated happy birthday. And I've been doing this for years. Well, it, it used to be a lot easier to go from person to person to person in the birthday list, and and now they've added an extra step. Now I got to hit tab in yeah. between, uh, in addition to hitting enter and all the, you know, and so it's just, and my <laughs> fingers don't go in all those directions. Yeah. They've just made it harder. Thank you, Facebook for making it harder to be friendly. It just irritates me when people feel the need to change things just for the sake of changing things, where it's constantly making these lateral moves that don't make the platform any better. It just makes right. it different. <laughs> and I don't right. like that at all. And this is one of those days where I fucking hate it because we usually have one thing. There is exactly one platform that we use to connect, mm-hmm. whether it's from here in the D.C. area to Florida, where you are, or here in the D.C. area to both Georgia and L.A., where the Goth Ninjas are. There's one and thing that sounds good, and when that goes down, we are yeah. screwed. We tried Zoom, yeah. didn't we? We tried Zoom, and that we sounded, that we sounded weird. Uh, yeah, we that was tri- worse. Yeah, we tried Skype. That sounded weird, too. That, again, uh-huh. going back to my initial thesis on all of this, yeah. it 
doesn't improve. Why? And we see this all over the place now with this pandemic and everyone showing up using Zoom meetings and using internet video and so on. It's like they're just now inventing it and they're just now figuring out the technology about how to make it look good and sound good and they haven't been able to fix it. I swear to God, it has been now a decade plus I mean, I, I, I mean, I didn't start using Skype when it first came out. That was a few years into Skype. So we're talking about like 15 years now with Skype, and it sounds uh-huh. like hell. And all of the copycats sound like hell and look like hell. <sighs> okay. <laughs> That's enough of me ranting. Just letting you, I'm just letting you vent. I really, I think it's healthy. I think it just makes me want to bash something. The the, the thing that we use when it works, which is the vast majority of the time, it works great. We love it. But then one day, uh, you know, and a little too frequently lately, uh, it it screws us. And so there you (laughs) have it. But we're we're good to go. We're going to, we're going to move on. Well, so if I occasionally lose my train of thought throughout the course of today's show, I'm just making excuses for myself here in advance that it's only because I'm restarting starting the old platform to see if it's finally going to let us in. So that's why if suddenly you hear the audio quality of today's program vastly improve, it is because the other platform that we normally use magically reappeared and allowed us to get in. So that's And and if the and if the quality of the content improves, then that means somebody else is doing the show. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, see, this, you know what? This is why I have interviews. This is why I bring in guests, right. outside guests who aren't normal uh, participants in the show. Bring them in uh-huh. via via telephone cuz I can only imagine trying to connect via one of these platforms with a guest and the half an hour of miscellaneous rebooting and restarting of modems and testing the phone. That is the worst possible process to make someone who's only coming on for 45 minutes uh, have to go through. So when I have guests on, I go just old fashioned. That's why I'm talking to guests via telephone. (laughs) I'm going to call you on the oldest phone possible. Do you have one of those? The service we're using now, I'm seeing a still photograph of you on the phone. And uh, it's 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 like one of those it's like one of those network or cable TV uh, news program things where they have the picture of the person and it says you know on the phone colon Bob Seska yeah. you know that's what it's one of those kinds of pictures. This is all to uh, segue into the fact that I got I, I have a get here on the show. They call it a, a you get, sure a get do when when, wow. when, you, when you book a, a big time guest. So, first of all, I want to preface this by saying Laura Flanders, if those of you who remember Air America Radio, remember Laura Flanders, she's going to be uh-huh. on the show tomorrow. So, I'm going to be talking to Laura cool. Flanders about her brand new show. So, she's launching Ooh. a new show. She was one of the uh, the founding uh, DJs on Air America Radio back mm-hmm. in the day, and uh, here we are, I don't know, 15 years later, and starting up another show. But the big get that I'm previewing at this point is... Next week, September 16, Wednesday. We really need a drum roll for this. <laughs> oh, now you're making things complicated. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Here, here, maybe I can do it. Okay. Here, I'll, I'll use my chest. Here, go. Okay. <laughs> this is so low budget. I can okay. only do this so long. <laughs> All right, the guest for next Wednesday, September 16th, will be the niece of the president, Mary Trump. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yep. That's a, that's a that's a wonderful get. That's a great get. You have a great guest. I know you're going to do a great job of interviewing her, and uh, she's really uh, contributed not so much in things we didn't know about Trump, but really a depth of understanding. That's right. Uh, of this guy, which uh, 
somehow helps us because it, it, one of the hard things about this four years is trying to wrap our heads around it. Mm -hmm. So if this if this helps that cause in any way, that's a good thing. I hear she's got a new book out. I hear she's got some tapes. And so we're going to talk yes, about all those yes. things. I have certain very specific questions for her that reach beyond the, the bounds of her books, things I've been curious about for good. years and years and years now. I think the bottom line for me has always been with Donald Trump is how do so many people take him seriously when he is that walking, barfing cartoon character from New York? And he's been that for decades. I mean, at least those of us here on the East Coast have recognized Donald Trump as being this clown, this punchline from New York City. And all of these people now, you know, in 2016, 62 million people were like, yeah, that's the guy. That guy mm -hmm. is the guy who can lead us out of the darkness of whatever. Uh, it just it baffles me. It boggles the mind in terms of how people can it's, load up on this weirdo. It's a combination of things. But what it really gets down to, I think, is that cult figure status that mm -hmm. he enjoys among them. The um, Too much of the nation has embraced uh, what they see. Their perception of Trump is what they've embraced. Their, yeah. their sketch of Trump. Because, again, remember, this segment of the population cares not about facts. So none of the background, none of the facts of this matter to them. Mm -hmm. This is all about, you know, they talk about snowflakes. This is all about their feelings, yeah. how they feel about things. And uh, I think we've gotten that message pretty clearly. But but there's no thinking involved. There's no, no there, there are no facts involved. Uh, and that's, I think, how this was allowed to happen. They embraced this cult figure and... I know we'll be talking today somewhat about the media's role in that, yeah. But uh, that's a lot of it. It's the it's they like they like the tough talking guy. That's that's what they voted for. Uh, they thought he was a businessman. They were wrong, but they didn't care about the facts. Uh, and they think he's a tough guy. Again, wrong. But again, they don't care about the facts. No, they certainly don't. And evidence today by the Rasmussen poll, where Donald Trump's approval is now tied, approved, disapproved, it's the same number. Um, and this is with the news from Thursday and Friday of last week about the suckers and losers and, and disparaging military uh, veterans and so on. One of the most heinous episodes uh -huh. in this entire crisis from beginning to Indeed. end. And I mean, ultimately, here's where I am right now with all of this. I mean, if Donald Trump appeared tomorrow in the press room and announced that he's okay with many, many more people dying from COVID and then on the heels of that confirmed the Atlantic's reporting in its entirety said everything that they wrote about me is true. I said all of those things. You know what? I don't think his polling would change that much. That's not much. Some maybe, but not much. You're right because there's this uh, hypnotized section of the uh, population uh, that that is in love, uh, in love with this cult figure, with this yeah. super, uh, someone they see as a superhero. I say that, but at the same time, anecdotally, I am aware of a couple of people who are now starting to abandon Donald Trump, who oh, yeah. were, were completely on board with Trump. I mean, 1,000% and are now going, yep. hmm. Well, I, I, I don't know people, but I read about them. And uh, I, I, you know, I know that this is this is happening anecdotally uh, yeah. qu quite a bit. It, what the actual effect on the numbers are, what what Rasmussen is showing, I I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, none of this is terribly surprising. I, in a way, am glad that this happened. 
uh, because it it helps make clear for some who would not see uh, what we're really dealing with here. And apparently most of those people who do not see uh, are responding to the Rasmussen. <laughs> What's going yeah, I'm not, I finally brought this up. Now, mind you, this was only from the polling period of uh, September 3rd through September 7th. So that did okay. include this past weekend, but not Part a lot of, it, of people yeah. were digesting news this past weekend. Right, which, right. Yeah, yeah, which makes it seem as though maybe the results of this reporting in the Atlantic, also duplicated by the AP and the Washington Post and Fox News Channel, yes. uh, hasn't quite seeped in yet to the polling. And that may it, be it, why. Uh, it, exactly. I would I would wait another week to see the real effect in the polls now that now that I see how that that one's broken out. Uh, and there will be others. I believe a lot of polls come out. I mean, I think some more polls come out today. So yeah. we'll we'll see, you know, but I, I just really would be surprised if we didn't see an effect from that. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've been disappointed before, but this hit at something that that's, that hits home with so many American families who. Uh, support the military by providing their own uh, to to you know to stock it with personnel. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of Americans have a lot of stake in this, and it's a very personal stake. And uh, he's just really stepped in it this time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a phrase I hear a lot of people saying. <laughs> he's really shot himself in the foot, or as I said in the monologue, he shot himself in the balls you know, <laughs> with this because it's really more in, more. More serious than a foot injury. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned uh, COVID also uh, on the end and, and favorability ratings. Uh, who has the higher favorability rating at this moment, uh, Trump or or the coronavirus? I'm not yeah. sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, it would be it seems like it would be very close, especially after the heinous remarks about those who've served, uh, been wounded, captured or, or killed. Yeah, uh, in the military, uh, unbelievable. And, and like I said, I'm I'm glad that came out uh, and that it has been confirmed. And best of all, as you said, not just confirmed. You know, it, it, the Atlantic. Okay, who's the Atlantic? And Trump and everybody attacks the Atlantic. And most Americans don't know, frankly, mm. from the Atlantic. Most Americans don't even know that it's a magazine or that it even exists. Yeah. But then it was confirmed, and so it's in the news a little. Then it's confirmed by, as you said, the AP, followed by the Washington Post followed by CNN and the Hill and most important of all, uh, confirmed by a reliable national security uh, reporter at Fox News. Hmm, yeah. Uh, and and th this was huge to get this on the Fox News channel when it, it so often gets buried. Yeah. Let's hear that uh, Fox News version of the story. This is Jennifer Griffin. Yes, uh, I think this was on Friday when she was able to confirm this story and appear on Fox News Channel quite amazingly to relate yeah. the results of her journalism. Here's a uh, Jennifer Griffin from the other day. John, I've spoken with two senior U.S. officials who were on the trip to France who confirmed to me key details in the Atlantic article and the quotes attributed to the president. My source, a former Trump administration official, told me when the president spoke about the Vietnam War, he said it was a stupid war. Anyone who went 
was a sucker. The president would say about American veterans, what's in it for them? They don't make any money. The source said it was a character flaw of the president. He could not understand why <laughs> someone would die for their country. Mm. Not worth it. Regarding the French trip to mark the end of World War I, according to this former official, the president was not in a good mood. French President Macron had said something that made him mad. He questioned Aww. why he had to go to two cemeteries. Why do I have to do two? Aww. His staff explained he could cancel, but he was warned, they, the press, are going to kill you for this. The president was mad as a hornet when they did, according to this source. When asked if the president could have driven to the Ain Marne Cemetery, this former official said confidently that there was not a security reason to not to drive to the cemetery, which was about 40 miles from Paris. Quote, the president drives a lot. The other world leaders <laughs> drove to the cemeteries. The he pictures. just didn't want there to go. Pictures. Regarding the president's July 4th military parade planning, during a planning session at the White House after seeing the Bastille Day Parade in 2017, President Trump said regarding the inclusion of wounded guys, quote, that's not a good look. Americans don't like <sighs> that. Regarding Senator McCain, the president, according to this source, just hated John McCain. He always asked, why do you see him as a hero? Two sources confirmed the president did not want the flags lowered after McCain died, but others in the White House ordered them at half-mast. Yeah. There was a standoff, and then the president relented. That's Fox News Channel. Fox News Channel. Yeah. See, here's the thing, and I, I think a Washington Post reporter, somebody, maybe New York Times, pointed this out, mm -hmm. that although a Fox News Channel's primetime lineup is uh, filled with arch-conservatives and its corporate offices are filled with arch conservatives. There are real reporters who work there. Yeah. And Jennifer Griffin is one of them and 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 not only highly respected by those at other media outlets, but by all of the Fox producers and employees who rushed to her defense on Twitter when uh, the president called for her firing and uh, right-wingers made an effort to discredit her. Uh, it's still, you know what, nanny nanny boo-boo, it still got on Fox News. Yeah, it absolutely did. But the way uh, Donald Trump and everyone around him is treating it is as if it was just the Atlantic story. But you know what, right. even if it was just the Atlantic story, they're really trying to paint the Atlantic as being like the weekly world news of uh -huh. legitimate journalism. I, I mean, but sure. when it's not, The Atlantic is highly respected. Yeah. With, with yeah. Uh, more integrity than Donald Trump has ever seen in his life, much less actually experienced. I mean, and, Je Jeffrey yeah. Goldberg and, is the yeah. gold standard when it comes to this shit. And so, right. what, I think at least four sources confirmed these stories to Jeffrey Goldberg at The Atlantic. Yes, he had, he had four. The AP followed up with three. Uh, and then each of the other media outlets came, I think, with two each. Yeah. Now, m many of these are overlapping, I'm sure. I'm mm -hmm. sure that, yeah. uh, you know, some of the sources uh, served multiple outlets. And, and I, I would say on, on this subject, because it, it, it's, it's a basis I want to lay for something I'm going to say later. Okay. But uh, it, it made me angry, Bob, that uh, a lot of media reports still to this day in, in ABC, NBC, CBS refer to the Atlantic story, failing to mention that it's been confirmed by mm -hmm. AP, the Washington Post, and Fox News. They, you know, as Joe would say, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you know what? She also added, Jennifer Griffin from Fox News also added later that Steve Mnuchin heard him say this shit, too. 
So she's actually naming one of her sources in this Fox News report, Steve Mnuchin. Griffin wow. reported that Mnuchin was at the tank meeting in the Pentagon on July 20th, 2017, when Trump allegedly called four-star generals losers, dopes, and, and babies, babies, calling yeah. his claim to have never heard the president speak that way patently false. Uh, this so that adds another layer of this, and I, so I wonder if uh, Steve Mnuchin has been called on the carpet into the Oval Office. I hope he has. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't know. Whatever trouble any of these rat bastards get into, I'm always in favor of it, even if it means getting into trouble with their own boss. Right. So yeah, that's that's like, all like like the joy, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> By the way, you know what? I don't know if you've noticed the sound quality, but we're back on our normal platform here. <laughs> We, just, we made the magical switch back to the old platform. See if you can tell where it happened. Find the edit. It's, that's that's this week's game. Find the edit. <laughs> that's right. If Good you're luck. really, really bored, pour through this episode and find out where the audio quality changed. Find the edit. Okay. So um, that's that. You know, and I, I wanted to get your just general reaction to that story. I, I mean, on Friday's After Party, which, by the way, is available for all of our subscribers. So even if you're signed up at just $1 a month, you can listen to Friday's After Party. And the reason I did that is because um, it, it was such an important story. And I wanted to get our reactions as raw sure. as they were. I mean, Kimberly, Kimberly, who I said, whose dad uh, is a Vietnam War veteran who was mm -hmm. wounded in the war, who is a an actual war hero. And I, 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 I swore to him that I would not retell his story. He, he made me uh, swear to secrecy that I wouldn't relate the story again because he's so humble. But I will say he was a war hero. And Kimberly, thinking in terms of what the president said about veterans, and yeah. especially Vietnam War veterans, mm -hmm. uh, just uh, she, she broke down crying on the show. It was uh, quite an emotional moment. And we dedicated basically the first half of uh, Friday's After Party to that. So you want to listen to that. But so, what was your reaction when you first heard this news, Buzz? Not a bit surprised. Uh, I, I, you know, it would be I would be stating the bleeding obvious if I, uh, you know, say if I start off by saying, "Oh, what he said was terrible." Yeah. Of course, what he said was was beyond terrible. That's a given. I think we can I think we can skip past that part of it now. Not forgetting it, of course, but 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 skip over that for a moment. Uh, that that horrible, horrible thing to say that uh, I'm I wasn't surprised, and that I think this may be the best thing. This revelation could be the best thing that has happened to ending Trump. Yeah, and and yeah, I you know I you know I've wanted to remove him from office long, long, long before now. We're very close to the election at this point. It's, as I said, uh, five Scaramucci's in a day away at this point. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much we can really expect to get done between now and then. It doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Uh, that was the point of my tirade last week. Uh, of course we should try, but I, I just don't know how much success we're going to have. Uh, the most important thing we can do now is to vote god absolutely and especially if you're in florida right now because there's a, a new poll that came out the nbc marist poll showing everything tied in florida likely voters 48 48 is where things are according to that poll and of course it's always smarter to go by the polling averages rather than one single poll but th that's just the latest news that just dropped recently while we've been doing the show so 
everything matters, everything counts, except, you know, what doesn't, yeah, what doesn't matter, apparently, is the president insulting every single soldier, every single veteran, wounded, killed, or otherwise missing in action, prisoners of war, on down the line, doesn't seem to fucking matter among Republican voters, doesn't seem to get, you know, it's astonishing that we're in this place. Now, talk about the power of American propaganda. There it is. Propaganda has convinced all of these people to say, "Eh, whatever. Propaganda needs uh, fertile soil to grow in, and that that soil is ignorance, and and there's been... The, the soil has been the soil of ignorance has been plentiful yeah. uh, for for that sort of disinformation. Uh, but a lot of it, again, is this cult status. And I would take issue. I think uh, perhaps even a substantial number of Republicans have permanently turned against Trump because of this. Now, there is that hardcore base, that hypnotized base mm-hmm. that will not let go of him, not even after the election. But uh, I, I really think that this event has done more to hurt Donald Trump than all of the other things that he's done to hurt himself. And I want to believe that you're absolutely right on this, Buzz. I want to believe that this is going to turn out exactly the way we had hoped, that people are going to see the light, that people are going to know that we're talking about a fascist con artist here, a tyrant who, if he's allowed to win re-election, that the entire country is going to change. I mean, it already really has. It's just going to metastasize once he's realized. Yeah, it's going to get get much worse. Irreparably worse, I might add. I mean, that's how urgent I think it is, and I I think you agree. I think a lot of our listeners agree. It's not just going to get worse if it gets reelected. As far as I'm concerned, it is the... It seems the likely end to our nation, to our democracy, yeah. to this democratic republic. I, I That's how serious I think uh, his getting reelected is. Mm-hmm. And uh, although there are some close races and there's reason to be nervous and there's reason to be vigilant, absolutely and always, uh, I, I still feel pretty optimistic, uh, very optimistic, really, about how this is going to turn out. The closer we get to the election, the stupider he gets. Yeah. And I, like I said, this whole, this whole being intent to release a vaccine prior to the election uh that's going to fall flat that's and and at the at a minimum it's going to fall flat uh at worst it's going to go terribly and people could even get sick or die uh that's how recklessness uh can can ruin trump here going forward and and i think we're seeing him on that reckless track i want to talk about this vaccine issue at length here because this is a big fucking deal because this is another disaster in the waiting it's and I'm not just talking about a few people not taking the vaccine or some people taking it and getting sick because of it. There's a broader issue here that I want to get into. But hmm. for now, we have to be wearing masks. We have to be doing our diligence in all of this. We have to be upholding our end of the bargain here in terms right. of our society, our responsibility to make sure that this is as minimal as possible, despite the fact that the White House, the president of the United States, is completely incompetent, that he's in charge of a death cult so at very minimum what we can do is to wear a face mask of course and finally most states have put mask mandates in place face masks are still our best way to protect ourselves our family and our community but what happens when the face mask you thought you were buying sucks 
Well, the FDA has provided a list of authorized respirator mask manufacturers, but finding those masks has been a challenge and verifying their authenticity is even harder. But right now, the NewDealShop.com has FDA-authorized respirator masks with anti-fake authentication on every package to make sure you know that it works. These masks are tested by the NPPTL in the United States and provide greater than 95% filtration. Right now, these masks are in stock and ship for free for my listeners when you add the code SEXYLIBERAL. Again, that's free shipping when you go to thenewdealshop.com and use the code SEXYLIBERAL. Order your supply today. That's thenewdealshop.com. Get them and keep yourself, your family, and your community safe. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. The fire rose up without warning. Large parts of history melted and demolished by a firestorm that has wrought heartbreaking loss. This is not fine, but it surely is a sign. A new world is dawning, our future is in sight. Survival's to the left, extinction to the right. Wherever we steer, now is gonna decide. Don't wanna be the generation who chooses to die. Will not be that guy, so keeping up the fight. Every single person who be lying and gaslighting, denying, can keep hiding. I'ma keep us from dying. And yes, I'm crying for houses that burn down. And yes, I'm crying for people who not around. And yes, I'm crying for the animals who died. It's hardly the time for emotional stage fright. A nationwide emergency is hardly yeah. The time. From Perth, Australia. This is a brand new single from Select Few. We played one of these tracks a few months ago. Love these guys. Hip-hop recording artists from Perth, Australia. Song called This Is Not Fine about Prime Minister Scott Morrison's horribly irresponsible response to the fires and the pandemic down there. Your home for Aussie hip-hop, the Bob Seska Show. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Uh, everything from uh, recording artists from Denmark to Perth, Australia to Ukraine, we get all the international recording artists here on the show. So thank you for That's that. Cool. So I love this track, Select Few. I can't wait to play it in its entirety at the end of the month on the uh, yeah. Indie Music Countdown. Link in the description if you want to pick it up. Brand new single from those guys. So really excited to play that. Okay, so we were talking about this god-awful snake oil that people are going to start pumping into their veins uh, on Trump's order, probably probably in October. And there was a, a moment during yesterday's Trump show when someone from, uh, I believe, I want to say it was Yamich, uh, but I'm not sure exactly who it was who asked the question. So why are you rushing this vaccine to be ready by the election? And Donald Trump goes, I'm not doing that. I never said that. <laughs> Because he right, right before he said, I never said I was going to have it ready before the election. Seconds earlier, he was going off about the vaccine and he actually used these words separately, but all in the same sentence. October. Mm -hmm. He used that word. He used the word surprise. Uh -huh. <laughs> too, and he used the word election all in the same sentence to describe when the vaccine could be out. Uh, and, of course, he is absolutely rushing this thing through to get it ready before the election. Here is my challenge for Donald Trump and, for that matter, the White House press corps. Someone's got to ask Donald Trump if he'll be the first in line to get this vaccine. Yeah, and, and he needs to do it on camera. If he is well, so confident in its safety and efficacy, He'll be lined up to get jabbed in the arm with the vaccine or however the vaccine is administered. I, I think you're right. He, I don't think he probably will, although I think there's a chance that he will. Remember, he was the first to jump in on hydroxychloroquine and some other things. Well, he took it for a while. Uh, I, I think he might be stupid <laughs> enough. Yeah. I think he might be stupid enough to, to take 
to take this. Uh, so he may meet you on that dare. Uh, but but I don't even think there'll be a vaccine by election day. I think that's a false promise. And if there mm-hmm. is, I think we all have reason to be skeptical about it, which is a damn shame yeah. because it, it creates a skepticism that will linger and a large segment of the population will never trust it. Uh, this couldn't be handled worse. Yeah. This is the setup to every zombie apocalypse movie that has been released over the last 10, 20 years. It's some loony vaccine that has great promise and then everyone takes it and that begins the zombie apocalypse. That's kind of what we're staring into now. And it's amazing that there are actual human beings who will be willing to get this vaccine, a vaccine pushed through the process by Donald goddamn Trump. The last person you want making medical decisions for you is the guy who was talking about injecting sunlight and disinfectant somehow under the skin in some way as if that was at all a possibility or at all safe or recommended to the point now where there are people who are dying because they were in, like drinking bleach and crap like that on on the there command of the president. Yeah. There, there have been presidents before who have uh, approved vaccines that uh, did, in fact, make people sick and cause them to die. Yeah. And uh, so that is certainly within the realm of possibility. That's a that's a very real concern. I I would be surprised if there even is a vaccine yeah. by Election Day, much less one that's safe. Uh, this whole thing, you talk about your hoaxes. Uh, this this vaccine thing is a hoax for sure. Yeah. Well, we know uh, Donald Trump's history is to say, hey, look, I, I got this thing. It's going to be the greatest thing in the world to be available oh. by a week from Tuesday. Right. Isn't that right, Mike? Yes. Tuesday. Here comes Tuesday. And then Tuesday he, rolls he, around and there's nothing. I mean, he promised. He, what was it like eight months ago? He promised that he'd have a health care plan within two weeks. <laughs> Uh, he promised there. in no. 2019 he yeah. promised he promised in 20 he promised in 2019 that a cure for childhood cancer was just around the corner it's been a year <laughs> okay. where is it yeah uh you know it, it, these and and all and lots of other uh, promises and threats he's made mm. during his administration uh he's built only a fraction of the wall he promised to build and mexico ain't paying a penny for it there's a uh cbs poll that shows uh, some interesting results in terms mm-hmm. of people's willingness to uh, take this vaccine it says here if there's a vaccine this year your first thought would be uh a scientific achievement 35 percent rushed through 65 <laughs> percent Yep. So people are kind Absolutely. of on top of this in I'm a major, pleased. major way. Yeah, I'm I'm pleased and impressed that people are uh, watching the science and paying attention to the science on this. The vast majority of us certainly are. Uh, we know. I mean, people are saying in these surveys that uh, they know how long it's going to take. They know that the experts have told them mm-hmm. that it's going to be next year yeah. before there's and and have also read from one of the experts this past week. It'll take two years beyond that to distribute the vaccine. Jesus. Sorry to make my voice go up like that. <laughs> but uh, that's that's how, that's. I think that's what we can expect. And, and I think uh, much to my relief, a vast majority of the American public understands that, 
accepts that and believes that and doesn't trust anything that's rushed out before that. They're they're yeah. going with the experts. That's great. What this is doing is it's creating many more Donald Trump anti-vaxxers. What it's doing is it's creating mm -hmm. a dynamic known as vaccine hesitancy. People getting the sense that, hey, wait a minute, there's something that's not on the level about this vaccine, and then that kind of breeds into... Well, maybe they're all fucked up. Maybe I, I'm hesitant to take any vaccine at this point because who knows what kind of Trump red hat loyalists are inside the government pushing this one through. And so there's going to be a certain segment of the population that will not get the vaccine. And with these pandemics, all it takes is a, a small number of people to create a much larger problem the, right? the drug the drug companies are certainly aware of what, what trump is doing and uh, I, we're hearing from them as recently as yesterday that uh, they have made a pledge not to release a vaccine uh, before it's ready and i don't think i think that was their way of standing their ground and refusing to cave to trump's demand to have a vaccine by election day so yeah. again my skepticism about there actually being a vaccine by november 1st or any date around that. Yeah, Kurt Eichenwald tweeted this, uh, I believe it was yesterday, about the vaccine during the Trump show as we were all live tweeting it. He said, yeah. note, no, a fast vaccine is not best. A safe and effective vaccine is best. Sacrificing right. best studies on safety and efficacy for speed is a reckless thing. We currently have antifreeze available to inject into yourself. It's neither safe nor effective, but hey, it's available now. Right. <laughs> well said. Get it. Get it while you can. Yeah, oh, that is well said. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, right. Mm. So this is where we are at this point. Donald Trump is okay, obviously, with more and more people dying from this uh, pandemic. He was badgering reporters during the Trump show yesterday. One particular reporter, I think it was the Reuters reporter, who he was, oh, you got to take off your mask. I can't hear. It's too muffled. And, and then I was right. so glad to see that the Reuters uh, journalist uh, <laughs> said, hey, Did not cave. yeah, I'm not going to take my mask off. I'm just going to say it louder. And, and Trump was visibly mm. pissed off because of that. You know, and, and it's the those moments when I see Donald Trump visibly pissed off that right. I, that I personally want to make him more pissed off. It actually makes me want to attack him even more because because he's such an unforgivable bully, such a, an unforgivable that. tyrant. And it just kind of I, fires me up. Right. I, I yeah, I understand that. I I worry about hmm. I worry. I worry about our reactions to some of these things. Yeah. Uh, of course, of course, he's disgusting, and and certainly that reaction, that feeling, uh, the reaction that you'd like to give, is certainly understandable. I I totally get that. Yeah. Uh, I just we have to be careful. I think a lot of us made a pledge. A lot of uh, progressives at the start of this, and I think you and I were among them, made a pledge not to lose our souls uh, on this path. To defend democracy against Donald Trump, as we set out on this mission to defend democracy against Donald Trump, and we stood together in that cause, we said, "Hey, we got to be careful not to get down to their level. We got to yeah. be careful. Yeah. We can be tough. We need to be tougher. We all agreed we needed to be tougher, but we we also kind of made a pledge to ourselves that I hope we're going to keep not to to let him drag us down to that level. And yeah. I, I worry about some of the traits that some of my progressive brothers and sisters who share the same ideological goals as myself, I worry about the long-term harm they may, may be doing to themselves by some of the 
feelings that they've adopted that uh, I hope they're able to shake once we get rid of this guy. And so you're kind of thinking in terms of, uh, I know we were talking about this a little bit before the show, um, mm-hmm. about the reaction to some of the reporting, some of the journalism that's happening right now. And yeah. uh, I, I know that uh, I know. when I'm yeah. seeing uh, some mistakes being made in the press, I like to focus on the actual makers of those mistakes rather than saying, yes. oh, fuck the entire media. The entire media is exactly. corrupt and blah, blah, blah. Then you start to sound like Donald Trump. <laughs> you do that. Not because of my demographic, but because of what I do. Yeah. I, I catch the CBS hourly news in the morning at 7 a.m. my time. And at 8 my time, I listen to the CBS World News Roundup, a broadcast that's been around for over 75 years. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so I, and I listened to those to see, you know, what's new kind of what's happened overnight, but also to see how things are being reported. And, uh, at least on the hourly newscast, I don't have a problem with the world news around that, but on the hourly newscast, it depends on who's anchoring. For example, if, uh, anchor a, I won't name names here is doing a newscast. I will hear that anchor, uh, deliver a story about Trump that, that angers me. But that anchor will soft pedal the story. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, on another day, I'll hear a different anchor in that same hourly newscast uh, do a, a story about Trump, something that angered me. And they will tell it exactly like it is without mincing words. And it makes me so happy. So, yeah, I get, I get frustrated. I understand that uh, the press did not research Donald Trump and, and investigate him in 2016 as they should have. I agree with that. Uh, but I'm seeing, and I know Eric Bullard is, is much beloved, and I know that he certainly means well with his uh, press run project in which he wants to hold media accountable for, uh, for some of its sins. And I, I absolutely, you know, I see those, I see a lot of those sins and I absolutely agree that some reform is needed and that, uh, a lot of that criticism is justified, but there is a lot of, as you said, sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Uh, let me remind my progressive friends that we wouldn't know nine tenths of what we know about Donald Trump were it not for the media. I'll tell you what has me upset this week, and this is the Mm -hmm. thing I wanted to preach on, and it's just really one aspect of news media coverage, and that concerns uh, the White House press corps and the press conferences such as the one a lot of you watched yesterday. I don't watch them, and I'll tell you why. I read summaries but from reliable reporters. I don't watch them because it's. I consider it a form of torture. I know I know what he's going to say, and I know that it's going to be lies, and I can catch a, a complete summary of that by reading an array of accounts about that incident. So mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty up to date without putting myself through that, through that misery. Right. I saw uh, in response to something Eric had posted, and again, I, I think he means well, but a lot of the 750 people who responded, I read a lot of their comments, and uh, they, they really, there was a, a pitchforks and torches uh, march against the, the press in the responses to Eric Bullard's post. Uh, and, and a lot of what I saw is, why does the media let him say these things at the news conference? Mm. And, and it strikes me that people are not perhaps educated about what reporters are going to do. So I'd like to help educate our people uh, on, on what the job is, at least as I see it. You go to the news conference, 
you ask questions, you ask tough questions, you uh, are unrelenting, uh, hopefully, uh, and then you, you record what is said there. And then you go back to your newsroom and you write the story. And that, that is a reporter's opportunity to prove the president wrong, yeah. to, fact, to fact check him, to properly describe what he's done. Again, let me remind you, you wouldn't know nine-tenths of what you know about this president were it not for the press that you're slamming. I would caution you that the press, as I see it, in spite of its flaws, is the progressive's friend. It, it serves as a watchdog for government, and if you continue to, to destroy it and to denigrate it, you're doing what Trump's doing. Yeah. And, and you're destroying a pillar of democracy in the process. Uh, there's just too much condemnation. I get the impression from a lot of the criticism about, why didn't the White House reporters stand up to him? What, what do you want them to do? Get up and debate him? Do you want them to, do you want John Carl, Jonathan Carl from ABC to get up and punch him? <laughs> what, you know, you know, that's not, that's not a reporter's job. I, I would like, know, I would like to see I, that though. I, of course we all would, but that's not, that's not what you do. It's just not what you do. Uh, they, they can ask the tough questions and maybe they could ask tougher. I understand sometimes they're sitting in stunned silence as he says unbelievable things that no one expected him to say even after all this time yeah uh, it's not a reporter's job to call the president on these things or to to get into a debate with him or an argument with him uh ask him questions note what he has to say if he gets elected to an office if he gets elected to president in in uh, 2016 that's on you the voters that's not on trump that's not on the press mm -hmm. that that's the press reported what the man had to say if you listened to it and believed it uh, that's your problem and in this case uh, in, in the case of the 2016 election uh, the majority of the electoral vote uh, went that way because people listened and believed the press reports this stuff so that you'll know what he's saying and hopes that you're smart enough to take the appropriate action and most of us maybe all of us listening here today are smart enough but too many of us in this country in my opinion are are, are not and if they fell for trump's con game it's their fault, not the fault of the media that reported it. When I was watching the Trump show, I believe it was Friday, I want to say, right. I was infuriated. If you look at my Twitter timeline, and it's only because there were people all over uh, social media and elsewhere who were in tears, inconsolable, based on the reporting that was yes, in the Atlantic and confirmed and so on. And then when Trump stepped out, his first Trump show after that story dropped and after the confirmation uh, reporting was done as well, stepped out and in what was about a maybe 45 minute Q&A period after he was right. done repeating the same bullshit over and over again, the same lies and, right. and ridiculous copy and paste things from his previous uh, Trump shows, he right. started taking questions from the press and there were exactly two questions about that story nothing else that was even okay. remotely related the first question was from john carl who regretfully didn't punch <laughs> donald trump <laughs> said, asked uh, trump about john mccain didn't mm -hmm. ask about the details of the story but asked about the john mccain aspect which we have all right. been digesting since 2016 when it was actually mm -hmm. spoken out loud on video 
And then the next question was toward the end, and it was um, Trump interrupted it with the bullshit about the mask. Because there was another right. reporter wearing a mask, and he's like, hey, I can't hear you. And suddenly he's, he goes deaf whenever there's right. someone wearing a mask. And so that was the extent of the reaction, which to me did not reflect the urgency and nature of that story. So I felt I felt Perhaps. like, what what is going on here? My reaction was... Was there some sort of agreement among the reporters who were allowed into that particular Trump show to set set up the questioning in a way that only sporadically hit upon that major story? Or what, what was going on? Yeah. Why were there only two questions for such an important story? And so I was immensely Did, frustrated by that. I Because, I, right. I mean, no one who I know in the press corps was replying to me and going, well, here's what's going on, Bob, or, or via DM. Here's something off the record for you, Bob. I wasn't getting any satisfactory <laughs> reactions or explanations as to why that happened. And so I, I just kept getting angrier and angrier. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely open to a discussion about whether they should even be attending these news conferences in the yeah, first place. I'll, yeah. I'll have that conversation with you. But what really can you do? It, it, did either of those two questions bring an acceptable answer from Trump? Yeah. Would Would six more questions have brought an acceptable answer? What about eight, ten? What if they'd ask only questions about that? Would any of those questions have brought an acceptable answer from Trump about this? And what would it have changed? That's my question to you. Yeah. The reporter's job is to show up, ask the questions. You get what you can get. You don't get what you don't get. Uh, and then record it and, and then report it and uh, do your fact checking and your contradicting uh, in the actual reporting. Uh, that That's the best service that I think the, the press can. I just, you know, I understand. Yes, I know they could be tougher. I, I know that they're, you know, I know the flaws. Believe me, I know yeah. the flaws. Uh, I, I just think progressives, in the, if you, if if we carry this attitude with us beyond the 2020 election, we've got a real problem because progressives need the ally that the free press can be. Continue to scrutinize the work of the press. Continue to be skeptical. Uh, continue to do critical thinking. I, I, I wouldn't discourage any of those things. But to slam it, to, to, to discredit it the way Trump has, is only going to come back and bite you in the ass, I promise. Well, I, I wasn't necessarily expecting oh. Trump to be revelatory uh, under questioning in any way, shape, or form, although there's always the very real possibility that he's going to pull a Colonel Nathan Jessup and go, you're goddamn right I said that! And there's always the possibility of that. But I was just at least expecting the amount of pressure on Trump to match the degree of the importance of the news story, where it just didn't seem to line up there were questions about things that the, the general public really wasn't in the process of discussing everyone was talking about this one particular story which as far as i'm concerned is in normal times disqualifying i mean how many times have we done been, right. been down this road where donald trump has said or done something where we go yeah, he should no longer be president because of this. Every, everything, everything, yeah, everything, all the time, for yeah. years now, for years. Yeah. And we haven't gotten anywhere with that, I, which is what has led me to believe that perhaps our only hope, and certainly at this point, is the election itself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's time to, again, 
uh, again, reflecting on last week's comments, stop bitching and start doing something. I think the press has asked tough questions, and I think that what happens is when the tough questions do get asked, Donald Trump has had a tendency to just say, fuck you and wander exactly, away. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's almost no point in asking the questions. Yeah, as you said, you have to ask, and to an extent they do, but after four years of this and not getting anywhere, I think the odds are pretty slim that, that reporters are going to get anywhere by uh, asking "Quote unquote tougher questions, yeah, or 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 to be more relentless about it. Like I said, six questions wouldn't have brought out the truth. Ten questions wouldn't have brought out the truth. Uh, it, you know, I, again, uh, you're. I, I think people fail to understand uh, the 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 job that the press is doing here. That the, you again, we would not know ninety percent or more of what we know about Donald Trump were it not for the press." that is being condemned, that you will someday wish was your friend. Yeah. Uh, we have just reached a point in this nation where mm-hmm. uh, we've kind of, to an extent, given up on uh, you know tr- uh, given up yeah, g- given up on trying to hold Donald Trump legitimately accountable, where it's mm-hmm. almost like something like the Atlantic story drops and we all go, fuck you asshole. And then a couple of days later, it's like, what was that? What were we talking about a couple of days ago? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, he he makes that possible by continuing yeah. to fire out the bullshit. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I used to believe that there would be something that we could do to stop him, to remove him. But I, I've, I've sat and watched all of the attempts to do so, mm-hmm. and I've seen that they have gotten uh, nowhere. So I, I think I'm pretty safe in assuming that in the days that remain left in this administration, and I know, January 20th, but in the days that remain of this administration, uh, I don't, I don't, I'm no more optimistic about anything uh, to stop him between now and then uh, yeah. that I than I have been about anything that's gone before. Uh, nothing else has worked. So until somebody convinced, and we've certainly tried, we tried impeachment. Uh, we tried. Uh, we've tried investigative reporting. Uh, again, it was the media, the press, who brought you uh, all the details of the Trump scandal, of the I'm sorry, the Russia scandal, and then the Ukraine scandal, mm-hmm. and all the other scandals. Uh, you, you, we wouldn't know what we know about Louis DeJoy. Uh, who's about to face criminal charges, oh, yeah. were it not for the press. You wouldn't know uh, the latest on COVID-19, were it not for the press. Stop shooting this circular firing squad. Stop shooting your friends. Uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. You you may you may criticize, and also there's a time and a place for that, but you, you may certainly criticize, be critical, be analytical. I, I'm all for that. Uh, reforms, sure, absolutely. I see the same things you're seeing but to damn the entire uh, career the entire profession yeah. of journalism uh is is foolish and dangerous i said to my uh trump voting dad uh during a, a lunch before the pandemic happened i haven't had lunch mm-hmm. with my dad since march wow, uh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. fucking terrible fuck you mr president uh but one thing i, I mentioned to my dad and we have a we have a dynamic now when it comes to talking about politics. We don't. We don't talk about politics. But right. once or twice in the past several years, we have had conversations that kind of outline the ground rules for how we handle politics. And uh, among those conversations, I said to him at one point, I said, look, when it comes to the news media, when it comes to the press, when it comes to cable news, anchors, what have you, and the mistakes they make, 
they don't make any more or any fewer mistakes than any other person in any other profession. The, right. the difference is, is that when the press makes a mistake, uh, two things happen. One, it happens in public, so we all see it. Mm-hmm. And right. two, there are always corrections that are issued, which yes. then underscore the mistake, amplify the mistake. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to me, that shows integrity. When you honesty. post a, yeah, honesty, integrity, the things that are commensurate with solid journalism in this country, or in anywhere, in any period of time. In that sense, yeah, there are fuck ups in the press, but again, we can't amplify those fuck ups, I think, beyond the general the average number of fuck-ups in any profession that anyone happens to occupy as a professional i i I may i may lose some friends through the things that i've said today that was not not my intent but uh, but i am concerned about the people i really truly consider my brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in a fight against donald trump to save democracy this is one thing we all share and must never let go of but uh, it's just something I, I worry. I worry, as I said at the start of this, that we're picking up characteristics as we wrestle with a bully. Yeah, we're picking up characteristics that many of us swore to ourselves we would not pick up when this fight began, and and I hope they are things we can leave behind when this fight is over, because if we don't shake them. I fear we will be the worse for it. Yeah. And my biggest concern, Buzz, above all else, is that I'm so concerned right now, and this may be my number one concern for this country at this point, is that we have normalized tyranny. And it seems as though no matter what we do, no matter whether the the press is doing its job 100% of the time, whether we as citizens and activists are doing our part, that's also an important factor here. How many of the American people actually go out and vote? What's the percentage of the voter turnout? How many more people could we put out there if we were um, holding ourselves to the same standards that we hold other people to? I feel like all of these things are allowing tyranny to take hold in this country to the point where where Donald Trump has given... Uh, future despots, future dictators, a roadmap for, for exactly how they can do it, which to me mm-hmm. adds a whole level of urgency to this election because it's not just about I, ending Trump. It's about ending future Trumps. And Trumpism. If we, yeah, yeah, Trumpism. Because if we don't do that, we are screwed in this country. We, have, we are living through the beginning of the end right now. But, but tyranny has not become normalized to you. Mm-hmm. And it's not become normalized to me, and yep. it's not become normalized to the people listening, and I would venture it has not become normalized to a majority of the public. What Donald Trump has given us is a majority of the public resolved not to accept tyranny. Yep. So while there has been visible normalization of tyranny, I don't think America's in the mood to let it take hold mm-hmm. any, uh, certainly not to allow it to you know it could be argued it's already taken hold yeah i don't think i don't think america's in a mood to allow it to keep hold of us beyond january 20th at noon eastern mm-hmm. right what well, one thing that this has done is a it's exposed the trump crisis has exposed the lack of levers to pull when something like this happens. We don't have enough stop gaps to prevent a future tyrant. That much is absolutely clear. Donald Trump pretty much at this point with whatever I said, 56 days to go before the election. Yeah, 56 Mm -hmm. days. At this point, Donald Trump could pretty much do anything. 
and he wouldn't be removable until the and election at the very earliest and obviously you, January 20th at the you, latest. You, you talk about making him mad that you'd, you'd like to make him madder. Oh, I don't think we want that. I, I think <laughs> I, I, I think I think we want him. I think we want him playing golf. Yeah. I think what you're seeing yeah. right now is a panic, desperation. I've said it before. Mm. Uh, uh, here's a guy who's who's panicked and uh, th- there's good news and bad news in that. And the bad news is he could do any crazy freaking thing between now yeah. and January 20th. Uh, the the better news seems to be he keeps shooting himself in the balls uh, and 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 with this veterans thing uh, mm-hmm. more than more than anything else, losers and suckers. Uh, I think he's going to find out who the sucker is uh, yeah. on November 3rd. Well, actually, not November 3rd. And that's the other thing we have to we have to teach ourselves. And it sounds like Americans are ready to be patient with the vaccine that they're ready to wait until next year and use masks and social distancing as miserable as that is in the meantime uh i i hope that they are just as patient with the election because uh, my friends we are not going to know a result on election night no don't even bother to stay up it'll you'll just make yourself <laughs> sick it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be several days yeah. before the biden mail-in votes get counted mm-hmm. and you may go to bed uh, on that tuesday evening uh, with Trump apparently in the lead, it, it don't mean nothing uh, it, because the votes will not have been counted at that point. Uh, so prepare yourself, brace yourself, take deep breaths and understand that you will not have a result on election night just as you will not have a vaccine by election day. Yeah, here's where I am in terms of the election buzz. And by the way, notify the affiliates. We're running way late today. We're, Wait, I'm just going to I'm just going to blow through that second commercial break. We're not going to do the second commercial break. We're just going <laughs> to Wait, you're changing your vote? <laughs> Now, well, here's what's going to happen <laughs> with the election. Gotcha. Here's what's going on. I, I, I feel relatively confident that Joe uh-huh. Biden could win this election. And that's the truth. The uh-huh. problem is, is uh-huh. much like millions of us, uh-huh. I was traumatized by 2016. Not in the clinical uh-huh. sense, but I, I 2016 affected me insofar as I was not necessarily expecting that outcome. I mean, I was the no. don't, I was the don't get happy guy that election too, and I was mm. warning people. E- that even Trump, you were surprised, yeah. But even I was surprised, uh, right. especially right. when it came down to Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So, in that sense, that's what's tempering my my enthusiasm, my positive outlook for this it. coming up election. So that's what's that's what's holding me back. It's just I want to throw that in there because I occasionally I like to do that. Where, where am I sitting right now? now with how this election is going to turn out and that's kind of generally where i've always been i i feel confident just based on the polling that i've seen based on the mood of the country based on what we've seen in prior elections 2018 for example and a lot of these special elections that have turned Mm -hmm. into blue waves themselves and so i feel like that's going to perpetuate and that will hold over certainly when it comes to donald trump being on the ballot but likewise donald trump being on the ballot will also generate energy in favor of him, too. Um, but, you know, all that said, it's just about that surprise bullshit that we can't anticipate that it may happen on election night. I mean, I'm, I'm almost positive that w- when there is no result on election night, Donald Trump will declare victory. I'm, I'm preparing myself for the crazy. <laughs> That's I, I know. where and, I am. And here, Larry, I don't think anybody's posed this question before. Would a surprise, and since we have extra time, I'm going to, uh, <laughs> would, a, would, a, <laughs> would, would an October surprise indeed be surprising? Yeah. 
uh, as numb as we have become over the last four years, uh, would October surprises mean anything anymore? Or will people see them for exactly uh, what they are this time, uh, unlike as happened in 2016? Uh, Don't you think we're a little older and wiser since then, maybe? Yeah, possibly. I I think now, though, I mean, we're talking about a, a different dynamic with this election. Oh, yeah. where everything is kind of baked in at this point. We're talking right. about, uh, you know, maybe yeah. a, a few percentage points of voters mm-hmm. are undecided we'll right a, now, which is yeah. it's a very small number. Most people are locked in with who they're going to vote for. So right. irrespective of what happens, I mean, I don't think some sort of October surprise about Burisma or Hunter Biden or whatever the fuck uh, John Durham is going to barf out into uh, Bill Barr's lap. Whatever that's going to be, I don't think it's going to necessarily affect things because we're t- I mean, going back to Dr. Bittekoffer. It's this is all about negative partisanship. This is all about the left wanting to destroy the right and the right wanting to destroy the left. And that's a really crude way to describe it. But right. it's more dynamic than that. But that's generally kind of what we're looking at in terms of the d- dynamics of this election. So I don't think uh, any sort of October surprise is really going to make all that much of a difference. Clearly, the way that this. Atlantic yeah. reporting hasn't made much of a difference to our consternation and frustration. That's for sure. It would it would really be something. I think if this was the year the U.S. outgrew uh, its susceptibility to an October surprise. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Well, you know what? I, maybe we end the show there. I think that's uh, you know I wanted to also talk about Louis DeJoy and things like that, but we're running sure. way late with the show today. But we're going to get all that on the uh, post mortem show on our wait, Patreon page. Wait. Wait, you're saying the discussion of the Postmaster General will be delayed? (laughs) (laughs) Get it? Yes. So uh, here's something that has been forgotten. Yeah, there's a guy named Louis DeJoy. Louis DeJoy. He's the Postmaster General of the the, uh, United States Postal Service. And Uh he's done some criminal things on top of the uh, sabotage of the uh, Postal Service in advance of the election in the midst of a gigantic pandemic where most people were trying to vote from home safely. Right. Uh, So there's more. There's more to this. And we're going to talk about that on the Postmortem Show on our Patreon page. Again, that's bobseskashow.com. Sign up for $5 a month. $5 a month will get you two Postmortem Shows every damn week. That happens right after this music is done playing. Uh, Buzz and I keep on talking, and that is called the Postmortem Show. And uh, again, you get it at bobseskashow.com, or you can just click the all-caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. Meanwhile, Buzz Burbank News and Comment every Thursday. It's the best hour-plus of news you're going to get all week. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. How many how many decades as a newsman have you have you occupied? What? I, it, all of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I've been here since the beginning. All right, yeah. Well, you're going to get all of that at buzzburbank.com, also at realmnetwork.com, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and give a five-star rating and review to all of your favorite podcasts, including this one, including Buzz's show, too. And uh, all of the shows on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network at sexyliberal.com. Go and support those shows as well with five-star ratings and reviews. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, don't forget, Mary Trump coming up a week from Wednesday. Uh, Tomorrow will be Laura Flanders on the show. Uh, Later in the month, we've got the uh, return of Donna Halper to talk about uh, the media and communications and politics and all kinds of fun stuff. Maybe some rush conversation in there, too. Those of you who don't know, Donna Halper was the uh, uh, music director, DJ, in Cleveland who discovered Rush and brought them, imported them into the United States from Canada and the rest is uh, is history. So we're always uh, happy to welcome Donna Halper back to the show as well. 
Okay, that's it. We're going to talk on the uh, post-mortem show about Bill Barr, uh, maybe some stuff from the Trump show yesterday, some more coronavirus uh, information for you, and a whole lot more. Again, BobSuskaShow.com. We'll see you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Hey, hang on to your good self. 